Adams, and welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Culp. I'm the publisher and CEO at CUinsight.com. And it's my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community. We get to identify those issues that affect credit unions and have a discussion about all the best practices out there to learn from one another and improve our credit unions. I'm really excited about today's episode. My guest on today's show is Alan Jinks, the Chief Revenue Officer at Coviance. Alan, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks. I always start off the show, at least this season, uh, with the same question, which is that you know most of us didn't grow up thinking that one day we would get to work with credit unions. Not really something that kids think about as a career. <laughs> You're a doctor, lawyer, teacher, but, but not really uh, credit union people. So what did you want to be growing up? Yeah, great question. I didn't even know what a credit union was till I was buying my first car and ended up like a lot of people uh, getting an auto loan. And, and I've been banking with a credit union since then. I had no idea what I wanted to do growing up. I still haven't figured it out yet. I just love working with people. I love solving problems. So I think naturally, I, I found my way into sales and solutioning. I've got an 18-year-old son who's graduating this year. And I'm really jealous of him because since he was about four years old, he's loved cars. He's loved working on cars. He's loved hot, everything Hot Wheels or car related. And he's going off to college now to be a, a, an auto engineer and wants to eventually open his own custom build. So it's like I get to live vicariously like that side of a dream of pursuing a, a, a like a very clear passion through him. But uh, I, I don't know. I just love being with people, helping people. And uh, I found an, a niche in working with several technology companies and get to apply that passion through helping credit unions now. And it's been a lot of fun. I heard you say people helping people, which is just such a perfect place to land. <laughs> it is, absolutely. So what was the journey like to your current role as Chief Revenue Officer at Coviance? Well, yeah, early in my career, you know, I did a lot of uh, moving around trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do. Found my way into sales and, and worked with a, a couple early startup technology companies many years ago. Then, you know, had my first kid and, and thought, Oh, it's time to get serious now. So I, I left that sales role and went and started working for one of the large uh, bank employers here in Des Moines, Iowa. And hate every minute of it. And so I, I, I realized that that wasn't, you know, I, well, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm young father, it's time to get real and get a real job, you know, quote, air quotes, real job. And then I got back into the startup technology. And that's just, I, I found a, a niche in, in technology sales and worked for a, a human capital, you know, recruiting company that was focused on mechanical, electrical plumbing, and then moved into a similar recruiting company that was focused on technology uh, employees. So that was really how I started to get introduced to technology more from selling solutions that helped uh, employers hire the technology people they needed. And it was just fascinating to talk to businesses and, and hear you know how the, the cool things they were working on. And it was exciting and worked there for 7 years helping, helping other companies grow through, through hiring the right people. And then found my way into a company here in Des Moines called Dewalla, which is a payment startup company, and and help make them help help lead their sales through a pivot to uh, support business to business, and really got my hands around building and scaling a sales organization and helping a company grow. And uh, through a mutual credit union friend, made an introduction to Omar Jordan, who's the CEO here at Coviance. It was Lender Close at the time, which I think we'll probably talk about later. The change from Lender Close to Coviance, but. You know, Omar, Omar had uh, a vision of what he wanted to do to support credit unions and 
uh, was really looking to to grow and it, it lined up really well for me to come on board. And that's where I really got introduced to credit unions at scale, partnering with them. And it's been a lot of fun over the last four years of really getting to understand what the credit union movement's about, understanding what motivates credit unions. It was a tough adjustment at first coming out of working with you know, startups and payments and companies that were all about profit margin and now getting into where, you know, results matter, but what the results are sometimes are different than just dollars and cents on the bottom line. So it's been a lot of fun over the last four years helping, you know, we were working with about 50 credit unions when I started. We're over 400 now. So just really getting introduced to uh, a lot of different credit unions across the U.S., the challenges they're facing and being able to help partner with them has been just a lot of fun. That is amazing. And you touched on the brand change from Lender Close over to Coviance. It's an exciting new brand. And I know the great work that you all do hasn't changed. So what's the elevator pitch that you give folks about what Coviance does and where you really add that value for credit unions? Yeah, at the highest level, we simplify home equity lending. Oftentimes on the mortgage lending, the process and the way that credit unions and the way they approach mortgage lending as a whole is very governed by Fannie and Freddie and the GSEs. There's not a lot of flexibility. And so we we really focus on home equity or portfolio real estate because a lot of credit unions don't realize, you know, it's been it's been a while in a lot of cases since they took a fresh look at their policy, took a fresh look at how they're doing. Uh, their portfolio real estate and taking advantage of, of technology innovations, uh, product innovations. And really the outcome we're trying to help drive is to innovate that process and deliver a much better member experience by focusing on tying that whole process together through technology and bringing the members into the loan mix and then also delivering a great experience for the credit union employees so that they can give a great experience to their members as an extension. It's so interesting because we are in a, a vastly different environment today than we were a few years ago. And we see you know, interest rates skyrocketing, a lot of economic uncertainty. But from a member perspective, can you walk us through, maybe at the, at the most basic level, where do home equity loans really provide a lot of value for, for members? Well, I, I think that's evolving, right? Because the old adage for home equity was always around home improvement or home remodel. And certainly we saw a lot of that pre-pandemic and even during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of home equity is focused on, you know, improving the, the, the home. Maybe I want to put a pool in my backyard, you know, those examples. I think what you're seeing now is as interest rates are changing and you mentioned the market is certainly changing. I, I think. Uh, borrowers and members are looking at home equity as a vehicle to capitalize on the value and the equity they're building in their home and be able to put that to work at a much lower interest rate than, you know, perhaps a credit card or a personal loan. So, you know, as interest rates rise, it's the, the staggering amount of debt that's come over the last, you know, six to 12 months on credit cards, record, record high credit card usage, record, record high credit card interest being paid. And I think members are starting to realize and and even credit unions too are, are being able to market it differently and look at tapping into the equity of the home at a much lower interest rate to have help debt consolidation even the interesting data i saw a while back is there's even some markets where people are tapping into the equity of their home to go start a business or looking at you know investing in themselves investing in education and and being able to do that much more cost effectively than other loan methods 
it's, it's incredible information. And I think it's a really interesting shift that we're seeing in the market. And I want you to tell me a little bit more even about home equity lending from the credit union perspective now. So what are those challenges that you would say credit unions really face in that area? And what are the opportunities for credit unions to, to meet members where they have some need for home equity lending? Yeah, so the competition is is getting very fierce for credit unions. It, it's a fight in the trenches for deposits right now, right? And so as people are fighting for deposits, they often don't think about lending. In reality, delivering a great experience when someone needs access to capital is going to be a much higher likelihood that that member also gives you deposits, gives you long-term deposits, takes out other loans, moves their auto loan. And what you're seeing is a much more rapidly evolving fintech, competing fintech culture that are going direct to members. So one example is a company called figure.com. They launched you know, really heavily the last year. And they've sent millions and millions and millions of pieces of direct mail and collateral, advertising, home equity lending across all the spectrum that we just talked about a little bit ago, not just home improvement. But the difference is they're really not competing on interest rate, which is where a lot of credit unions, I think, are still stuck that thinking that people really want to buy based specifically on interest rate. The, the the fintechs that are competing now are looking at the actual borrower experience. They're looking at that member experience and redefining what that is. It's not popcorn in the lobby. It's not handshakes. It's actually online advertising. Most most new homeowners and and first time home equity users are are only shopping one or two financial institutions. They're not like my generation or even older that might shop five, six, seven different places for the best possible interest rate. They just want an easy experience. So it starts with targeting them online. It starts with delivering a fast access to money. So if you're not closing home equities loans in a week or less, you're already setting yourself up for a... I don't want to say failure, but you're missing out on the full spectrum of who you could be helping. And I think the fintechs get that and they're really playing into that with marketing specifically through digital channels, pre-qualifications, fast access to money, and a seamless digital experience. And credit unions are evolving, but but maybe not quite at the pace that they could be. And that's where we come in. That's what our passion is to help enable them to innovate rapidly. I remember back when I was working at the credit union and at the credit union that I started my whole career in and uh, the consumer lending department was processing home equity loans at that point. And I think they, they maybe have switched over to the mortgage department doing some of it. But you know, I, I know there's so much shift in the way that credit unions are looking at, at what they're doing for their members and, and the member experience, and the user experience. Can you talk a bit about how Covines partners with credit unions and the impact that that relationship can really have for the credit union? So you come in and, and what can you do to really revolutionize this for credit unions? I, I love that question. And even just the way you started, because that's we're, we're very consultative. So as part of the process, we're not here just to sell you a technology and say, hey, here you go. Here's a login. Good luck. We partner all the way to the level of, of sitting down with them and helping them analyze is, is it better to have my home equity through consumer or should I do it through mortgage? And what's the benefit? What's the risk? Do I do open-ended loans through consumer and closed-end through mortgage? Does it make sense to split it? So we really dive into that level all the way through analyzing their process, helping them map their their home equity lending process. So a lot of times that the lending policies and process will exist on a piece of paper that's probably buried or pinned to somebody's cube wall that hasn't been looked at maybe in a long time. 
And what we can do is take that and, and bring it into a digital experience so that our workflow intelligence, once it's mapped, will select the next best step in the lending process based on their process. So for example, it would start off the lending process, including the borrower and the member right in the process, sending them notifications, asking for the necessary materials from them for verification of income, verification of employment. Uh, based on the the data that comes back through the application and through that process, th- the credit union often knows what's the right underwriting product they need to order in order to facilitate the underwriting of the property. But instead, they'll have somebody go log onto a website and order that, or they have a very disjointed process from that point on in a lot of cases. And that's where Coviance comes in and helps tie that all together through workflow intelligence so that not only are we helping order products, we're getting data off of those products that are ordered, applying that back into the workflow intelligence and then automatically going to the next step in the process. So if the loan amount requires uh, the ordering of one valuation product, our system will know that based on the data and automatically order that. If it's a different type of uh, valuation product, it will know that automatically order that as well. Wow. That, I, I love what you said too about not just selling a technology, but really being that partner and that consultant for credit unions as they kind of evaluate their strategy overall. And the the world we're in is changing. You know, you talked about that. I, I'm curious from your perspective, do you, do you feel like we're in kind of a pivotal time for credit unions today? And what would you say, if so, what would you say is kind of the risk that we face, especially thinking about maybe younger consumers? What do you think is so, is, is important for credit unions to consider right now? Yeah, I think it's a very, very pivotal time for credit unions. I mean, consolidation's happening at a record pace and it's, it's uncertain times, right? Like that's, that's what you hear a lot of people talking about. But, but I think what, what hasn't changed is the spirit of the credit union movement. It just changed maybe how that spirit gets applied, right? So in the past, it was, you know, like we, we like to joke sometimes, right? It's, it's handshakes and popcorn in the lobby. Well, that doesn't cut it anymore. It might have 20, 30 years ago. But we can still apply that same spirit of staying connected with our members. Uh, we just do it differently through technology. And I, I think, you know, one, one of the analogies we talk a lot about here, if you rewind the clock all the way back to 1993, in, in 1993, you had two companies. You had Sears and you had Amazon. And Sears in 1993 was, you know, Sears Tower was still Sears Tower in Chicago. Um, it was still a publicly traded company. And they, they were huge. Um, Amazon was an online bookseller selling books. And what Sears did is, is in 1993, they made the decision to stop offering the Sears catalog. And it doesn't seem like maybe that big of a decision on the surface. But I think when you think about the spirit, right, when we talk about the underlying spirit, I think what happened is Sears made decisions to change the spirit of the company, not how they serve the customer. And that decision, they launched the softer side of Sears. They got away from what made them big. And if you, I've done a lot of research. It's a pretty fascinating story to dive into. But... Sears had all the, they, they had all the infrastructure, all the technology, all the support. They had Sears catalog. They built a business that was based on getting people what they wanted, how they wanted it. And they doubled down on brick and mortar in, in an industry where the mall was just starting to kind of give signs that maybe this isn't the future. And Amazon picked up where Sears left off, met people where they wanted to be met, met them how they wanted to be met, gave them an exceptional experience. 
And obviously we see what the result has been over the last, you know, however many years it's been since 1993. You know, Amazon is Amazon, huge. And Sears is basically, it doesn't exist anymore, right? It's gone. It's not publicly traded. It got acquired and, and lost their way because I think they lost that spirit. And so I think that's what's important for credit unions right now is not getting mixed up between mission and spirit and, and, and the how we apply it. And I think the innovative credit unions who are understanding that are finding ways to still continue to offer the the people helping people, the exceptional member experience and being a part of a community. They're just seeing different ways of meeting people where they're at and, and are leaning into that versus doubling down on maybe failed tactics and losing the spirit of of what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Mm. I think that that's put so well. And and what we're seeing from younger generations is just so vastly different. And, and you know, to your point, popcorn in the lobby doesn't cut it anywhere, but but yeah. a good user experience does. <laughs> you know, a really good digital experience does. And so uh, even even what we would define member service as is is really shifting. 100%. I think, you know, going back to what I was talking, I, I talked a little bit about it earlier, but, you know, the data coming out now shows that the upcoming generation, right? They're not shopping for interest rates. They go to one place and that's, that's where they go. And if you do a good job taking care of them, they're not going to leave. But, but the way that they find those financial institutions is not through even sometimes branches. It's, digital, right? So if you're not advertising online, if you're not meeting today's borrowers where they're at, you're you're going to get missed out in that whole segment, which is where I think the fintechs get it, the competing fintechs, and and I and I think that's so pivotal that if if credit unions don't quickly close that gap, which many are, but many still aren't. If they don't close that gap, they're they're going to get left behind by the the future of where things are going, then it's going to be too late to recover. Absolutely. Well, as we look to the future, then what is the focus at Cobians for the road ahead? Where where are you kind of focusing all of your energy? Yeah, continuing to accelerate what we're doing today. So, you know, you had asked earlier about, you know, how we help credit unions and what we provide as a result. So right now, our focus is predominantly on portfolio real estate because the market is so aligned there. Home equity is hot right now. People aren't touching their mortgage, right? They an interesting trend's evolving. People may love love their mortgage and hate their house. You know, they've got a four percent, three percent, two percent interest rate, and it's really hard right now and, and for the foreseeable future to walk away from that. So, home equity is going to have its day for the next foreseeable cycle in lending because so many people are locked in, and and so I, I think we we are really focused in that home equity portfolio lending space. We're continuing to. Uh, grow the number of financial institutions we partner with, continuing to grow the way that we're helping them. We're focused on perfecting the lending experience. And I love that because you can never be perfect. It's always, it's, it's a, it's a journey, not a destination. We don't want to just hand you the keys to the car and then walk away. It's continual partnership and continual check-ins. We do monthly and quarterly reviews with all of our clients and we're surfacing new innovative products, new innovative ways to continue to be better, to be faster. We had a third party independent survey done of our 400 current customers uh, of the, the the response rates that we got back it, you know it shows that we're cutting on average about 5 days off the home equity lending cycle but yeah. we're helping increase loan productivity from the same staff by 35 
almost 36%. So as operational efficiency is critical right now, being able to do more with the same people without having to add headcount. Uh, our average ROI uh, across all of our clients is a five five 5.2x ROI. So I think what's the future for us is continuing to expand the ways in which we help our credit union partners uh, be better, better serve their members, achieve operational excellence, and and solve needs in their community. Uh, on average, only 4% of credit union members have a real estate loan with their credit union. So there's a lot of opportunities still out there in this space. Wow. Well, that is such a good way to kind of wrap up this section of the show talking about that the ROI there. That's really incredible. And the results you've had really speak for themselves. As we wrap up this show, though, I always like to have some fun with rapid fire questions to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better, too. So we like to say the questions are rapid. Your answers don't have to be. So if you're ready, we'll dive in. Sounds good. All right. What is a recent purchase you did not know you needed, but has become something that you cannot live without? So I'm going to answer it. It wasn't a purchase. It was a gift. But I think it's a, a little tablet called a Remarkable. And it's about the size of an iPad, but it's not connected to the internet really other than just syncing to my computer. And it's basically just a tablet where I can take notes, organize. The problem I had is I would go to meetings every day and I'd take a different notebook and then I'd lose that notebook and then I'd lose my note. And so (laughs) being able to have everything organized, all my notes, I can do personal, professional, and it has a little pen and eraser on it that's like digital. And it's just like writing with an ink pen. It's, It's fantastic. I didn't know I would love this. I can't live without it now. That is amazing. Well, we'll link to that for folks here. That that sounds great. I am a, a notebook user too, but sometimes I leave it at home or I don't have it. So that's awesome. All right. When you hear the word success, who's the first person that comes to mind for you and why? I'm going to say uh, a guy I used to work with. Uh, his name was Corey. And I it was my first... I was just becoming a sales executive at the time. I had just been promoted from basically what's called an SDR in the sales world, a sales development rep. So my job at that time was to do cold calls and book demos. And I had gotten myself promoted to being a sales exec. And he was kind of a mentor that, you know, probably reluctantly took me under his wing because I just wouldn't get away from him. But he was successful. But I think what made him successful and what why I would say him is he, he pulled me aside one day in a conversation and just looked at me and said, you're, you're failing and you're going to fail. And let me tell you why. And then he proceeded to list out just some things that I was doing in not being authentic, not being myself, trying to be somebody else in sales. And he had the courage to to confront me and tell me that if you keep doing what you're doing, you're not going to make it and you need to change. And so I think that stuck with me in several ways. One, it kind of shook me. And I my immediate response was to like, no, I'm not. And then I had to reflect and realize, no, he's he's right. And so it helped me professionally. But I think it's also helped me just in my sales career realize it's it's not not bad to confront you know status quo. It's not bad to confront even credit unions on sales calls. A lot of times we're gonna we're gonna challenge them and we're gonna come back and tell them they're doing things wrong in a respectful, constructive way. And so I've just always appreciated that that success that he was willing to give me his time, but also being willing to challenge me and tell me that. Basically, I was on on my way to failure unless I realized a few critical things in my the way I was approaching sales at that time. Wow. Well, feedback like that is such a gift. All right. Random question for you. What are you listening to most right now? Uh, Lord Huron. Hmm. Uh, we started re- 
storing an old uh, record player that we got from my wife's parents and we restored that in the cabinet. So we started buying vinyl, right? Because that's what people my age do in their <laughs> life crisis. And getting into coffee and, you know, getting into gourmet coffee and vinyl. <laughs> so, you know, you can chalk me up as, you know, one of the, the masses doing that. But yeah, I just came, came across uh, Artist Lord Huron and uh, really enjoy. It's easy to listen to, easy to listen to in the house when you're doing something else. And that's what I've been listening to the most. Awesome. I, I love them. I was going to say I love that band, but I don't know if it's a band or if it's a single single artist, but really great music. I love that. Yeah. All right. Any books that you have gifted or you think just everyone should read? Grit is the one that I have read most recently. A great, great book that talks about the importance of grit in a workplace and in hiring employees and yourself. And then I think it really does a good job of bridging the gap between talking about the importance of it and also kind of some constructive ways to measure it in yourself and measure it into potential hires. So I think, you know, just especially us being in a rapidly growing organization, it's made me realize how important that has been in my success. And I think just people around me and how I can help foster and grow it in myself and cultivate it in others. Amazing. Well, we're going to link to that book here for anybody who's interested. So just check out the show notes for that. Let's say the calendar is empty. What are you doing to unwind outside of work? Oh, man. It's been a long time since the calendar was empty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I I enjoy golfing. Uh, My kids keep me busy, family. But if it's, you know, let's say my home calendar is empty too at that point. You know, I think two things. I either I, I like to golf, like to just do some sports related things, or just being alone in nature. I love. I I try to do every year. I try to get some time up in the Boundary Waters to unplug, no cell service, no Wi Fi, and just spend some time in nature and and have things be quiet and reflect. And that's always very recharging, and I, I enjoy it a lot. Amazing. Well, we're going to link to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. Uh, like I said, so check out the show notes if you're listening for, for some more of the things that we chatted about today. But my last question for you, Alan, is do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share or final asks of our listeners today? Yeah, I think one one thing that I want to leave with in, in the spirit of what I answered earlier about not being afraid to challenge. I think one final thought that I'd like to leave is a challenge to credit unions. Uh, I go to a lot of conferences and events. And a lot of, lot of strategic events, a lot of strategic conversations. And one thing I don't hear enough of is leaders within credit union organizations, leaders within the credit union movement talking about a lot of the conversation I hear is about keeping up, keeping up with fintechs, keeping up with banks, keeping up with this, keeping up. I really feel like in the spirit of the Sayers and Amazon, right? Credit unions have so much. So there's so many similarities between the Sears analogy and credit unions from the standpoint that they, they're hundreds, you know, hundred years, they've been in their community building relationships. They have the brick and mortar established. And so I would love for credit union leaders and credit union to, to really think about not just how we can keep up, but how we can leverage what we've been good at, what we, what benefits we have to lead so to, to find areas where they can be at the forefront of what's coming versus accepting the paradigm that it's okay just to keep up with what's happening. It's, it's the kind of reactive versus proactive mindset, right? To, to just change my mindset to say, it's not okay to be okay with keeping up. I want to lead. And it's really fun to see 
and partner with credit unions who have done that, who think that way, and 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 the spirit of those credit unions and how it that that mentality transitions and empowers the employees from top to bottom is so evident that I think if if leaders can just understand the importance of championing championing that philosophy and mentality, they're going to be amazed at how well their people can move their organization forward from adapting new technology, new mindsets, new ways versus thinking about having to manage the, the how and getting stuck in, in micromanaging almost. That, that sense of empowerment and just setting the vision that we're not going to be okay keeping up. We're going to be champions of innovation and we're going to lead in you know, these key areas. And I, I would just say that the more we can do that as a credit union movement, the more we can not be okay keeping up and challenge ourselves and challenge each other to lead, the more that we're going to make sure that we are here for the future generations, that we're here for our kids and our kids' kids as an institution that cares about the local community, that cares about people rather than just profits. Wow. Well, that is just an incredible way to, to wrap up the show. We're going to link to Alan's contact information and that of his team at Coviance. So if anyone who is listening right now is interested in learning more, I, I mean, the ROI sort of speaks for itself in terms of what you can do and, and so many good insights shared about what members are looking for right now from their home equity loans. So thank you again, Alan, for being on the show. I know I learned quite a few things today. It was a really great conversation. I hope you stay well. And thanks to all of our listeners today for tuning into the CU Insight Network podcast, and we will be back again next time.